Standing in my Savior's shadow, He is watching over me. I feel the rain, I hear the thunder as He cries for me. I'm standing in my Savior's shadow, grace will lead to where I'm free. Take his hand, we walk together, his light shines on me. Though the devil tried to break me, my sweet Jesus won't forsake me. When I'm in my Savior's shadow, where I'm supposed to be. Savior's shadow, following His footsteps there. Every mountain, every ocean, is my every prayer. Though the devil tried to break me, my sweet Jesus won't forsake me. Savior's shadow where I'm supposed to be. That's entitled uh, The Wisdom of God. And I can promise you, I don't claim that I know all about God, nor do I uh, know all about His wisdom. I'm still learning just like you are. But this morning, I want to bring a message from a couple of scripture in Romans chapter 16, as well as 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'll be reading those scriptures momentarily. Uh, within the message, but you may want to go ahead and put your finger on those scriptures as you can refer to them a little bit later. And, you know, when, when the Apostle Paul closes what is called the, uh, the magnum opus of Christian doctrine in the Bible, he, he breaks into song. He breaks into what's called much like a doxology of giving thanks to God because of the greatest story ever told and the greatest story ever experienced, and Paul experienced that. And after walking through those grand reasons behind God's rescuing love of such rebel sinners, the doxology comes forth. So with a heart that's full and a mind that's on fire, Paul pins these words of Romans chapter 16. 
And this is what he says. Now to him who has power to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the sacred secret kept silent for long, long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all nations to the only wise God through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever. Amen. You know, Paul is speaking about God being all wise. And notice the last phrase of that entire book of Romans. Paul emphasizes one of the the beautiful attributes of God when he says the only wise God through Jesus Christ be glory forever. Amen. This aim of this message is under the banner of seeing God for who he is. It's seeing him as all-wise and all-knowing, and he understands where we are and where we need to move along in life. So to open up the window of her mind to the infinite expanses of who God is is the challenging aspect that all of us will struggle with every day from this point on as we have from the past and we will in the future. And particularly this morning, my goal is to display before you the wisdom of God so that you see it more clearly, that you admire Him more intensely, that you trust Him more firmly, and therefore you are more consistently and joyfully giving your life to Him because of that great wisdom. Now let's talk about some thoughts or or discuss some thoughts about God's wisdom that's found in these scriptures, and we'll look at the First Corinthians scripture momentarily. First of all, as we think about the thoughts on wisdom, we've got to define what wisdom is. So let's try to define it according to what the Bible puts forth. One main statement that will dominate us over the next several minutes is a statement that is not large, but I think it's profound when you and I allow it to, to go deep within and begin to search our soul. I call you to let it take hold of your thoughts first, and then by the Holy Spirit, Him enabling you and in your heart to grasp this simple statement, and it is this. God is infinitely wise. God is infinitely wise. Now unpack that for just a moment, and let's see the the flow of that truth that comes from that statement. It's a it's a truth that is a perspective, and, and it's, it has perspective, and it shapes us. It is a truth of comfort and giving. It is a truth that can help us in our anxiety. It can help us in our prayer life. It is an implication that can revolutionize our entire life when we let that statement to sink in that God is infinitely wise. Let me start with the definition. Wisdom in the Bible is knowing the greatest goal in any situation and the best way to achieve it. It is to know know the goal in any situation and the best way to achieve it. Wisdom sees the big picture. Wisdom is the focus. And in each part, it's the proper relationship to everything else because wisdom is different from knowledge. I think I do many times get it confused and think the knowledge I have is the wisdom 
But many times it's not that because you can have knowledge without wisdom. But at the same time, you've got to have wisdom and knowledge to understand this statement that God is infinitely wise. You cannot have wisdom without knowledge because in order to discern the best way to achieve a goal, you have to be able to integrate, to fuse together all kinds of factors with various sources of knowledge and experience as well. So understanding wisdom is to know the goal and the best way to accomplish it. Now take up this attribute and think about it for just a moment. And while you're connecting the dots, listen to what the psalmist says about God in Psalm 147 verse 5. His understanding is infinite. Not only his wisdom, but his understanding. God is infinite and he's wise. We do not have to discover more of the wiseness to God to convince us that he's wise. God is wise whether we know it or not. And he's, he's not going to be more wise when we discover it for our personal lives because God is always as wise that he'll ever be. Listen to Jeremiah as he prays. He says this, To the great and mighty God whose name is the Lord of hosts, the one great in counsel, mighty indeed, whose eyes are on the ways of the sons of men in order to give each person according to his ways and the results of his deeds. Jeremiah 32, verse 19. When Daniel described God's wisdom in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, he says this. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what it is in the darkness, and light dwells in him. Nothing ever is a mystery to God. (laughs) He is never puzzled. He's never confused. He's never baffled. He's never uncertain. Paul tries to talk about the wisdom of God, and when he does, it moves to praise. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, how untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has ever first given to him and has to be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. You see, what the Apostle Paul is saying is that God's wisdom is very deep. So deep that his judgments are unsearchable. I can't even get there in my mind, and you can't either. As when you, it's just so much that we can, it's so lofty that we can't understand it. And yet God's wisdom is so deep that his ways are untraceable. I can't follow what he's doing without being hopelessly, realizing that I'm hopelessly, it's everything's hopelessly over my head. It's so deep that no one has been or could be the counselor of God. God is the counselor to us. In fact, the wisdom of God is so deep and so expansive that it does not and cannot increase in any more wisdom. He is all that he is and all that he ever will be. We may find more about his wisdom and think that, oh, we're learning more about God, so therefore he's getting wiser and wiser. No, 
He is what he is, and he always will be. And it's our challenge in our life to discover more and more and increase in that wisdom. See, the only way we could increase in wisdom is for something to come into God's mind that has not already come out of God's mind. And Romans 11 verse 36 insists that this cannot be done, for from him and through him and to him are all things. So God's actions are perfectly wise, infinitely wise. There are no upgrades to his wisdom that are needed or even available to latch hold of. Think about this. God is constantly synthesizing billions and billions of strands of data and drawn from all possible fields of knowledge and all possible realms of experience so that he holds every relevant factor in every situation with total and perfect knowledge. Constantly weighs the facts. He constantly has the implications, the cost, the consequences, and how it fits into his purposes with flawless skill so that what he does or wills is always the best possible move that ever can be made. And God does this all the time without least strain and without crashing any hard drive. God is all that we need. Does anybody on earth understand the full ramification of the wisdom of God? No. He's totally out of our league. Do we trust him more because of it? Yes. Draw the massive implication from the wisdom of God that's challenging to consider, and it's this. One life-altering implication of wisdom can change who we are. Not only understanding this definition, but understanding the one life-altering implication of wisdom. And this is it. The wisdom of God tells us that God will bring about the best possible results by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. Listen to that statement again. The wisdom of God tells us that God will bring about the best possible results by the best possible means for the most possible people for the longest possible time. So that one life-altering implication of wisdom is that you and I run that around the block of our mind and we wrap ourselves around that experience and we take that home with us and we see how it works. So what is this implication from God's wisdom? What does it mean that for whatever is like, your life is like right now, what does it mean for who we, who we are and what we're facing? God is wisely and sovereignly ordering your circumstances to do something in you, through you, in your marriage, in your family, in your work, in your witness, in your worship that could not be accomplished any other way. If there's a better way to accomplish these purposes, then you and I would be experiencing those other circumstances instead of what we're experiencing right now. So that one life-altering implication of wisdom is that which makes a difference in who we are. If there is a kinder, faster, more expedient way, God would be using it. So the circumstances that you are in right now are exactly what you and I need 
for this period in our life. Now, you've got to understand that when you begin to, to grasp that statement, we begin to ask, would it change things for you and I if we firmly believed that the problem in our life that is pressing and difficult, the one you don't understand, that you fight against, that makes you feel overwhelmed and ready to give up, was orchestrated or allowed by an all-wise loving Father to bring about the best possible results, the longest lasting results for His good and for His glory. Would it make sense if you understood that your life is not God's plan B or plan C? That it's always plan A designed specifically for you while you're in this fallen world? What if everything in your life was a part of his wise plan? What would happen to your anxiety level? How would it affect your confidence in God? But there's an objection, and this is it. But it's right where we push back in this objection. I would love to believe what you just said, Pastor, but it doesn't add up in my life. You call what has happened to me the best possible circumstance right now, and it's going to produce the best possible outcome. What outcome is God shooting for? One may say, I lost my baby. My son was killed in an accident. The storm took everything I had. I was just given a pink slip at work. My husband beat me and abused me. You're telling me this is the best possible situation for my life? I can think of better ways toward better outcomes so I don't buy it. All over this room, there are circumstances that defy any connection with this teaching. Those circumstances contradict the phrase like best possible because they're awful, they're scary, and they're painful. So that one life-altering implication of wisdom causes us to be stretched a little bit because we've got to get back to the thing of, of understanding that God is producing the best possible outcome from the best possible circumstances to produce the best possible solution for our life. But you've got to understand the wisdom of God is one thing, but in comparison to that wisdom, you and I are living in a fallen world. And so we have these fallen thoughts. So the third thing about the thoughts about the wisdom of God is that the wisdom of God is in relation to our understanding in this fallen world. This is not the best possible of all worlds, but one that, that lies under the shadow of the fall of man. You and I will have to deal with that fall. All creation groans. All creation travails under the mighty shock of that fall. And when sin entered the world, death came with it. And in this present evil world, God's wisdom does not necessarily shield his children from sin or calamity, nor punishment of the wicked in the face of their sin. But right now in his wisdom, he makes the sun rise on the evil as he does the good. He sends rain on the just as he does the unjust. Matthew 5, verse 45. But one day... All will be set. And yet, you and I have his word on top, of, on top of that in Galatians 6, verse 7, where the Bible says, Do not be deceived. Do not be fooled by the delay in the full execution of God's justice so that you think that he lets the wicked off the hook. God is not mocked. 
For whatever a man sows, he will reap. You can believe this. God will see it to the full day all the way to the day of judgment. The wisdom of God secures our salvation. And so understanding this wisdom, everything about God's plan is all about his salvation. And fourth of all is the wisdom of God secures your salvation. Everything about God's plan to save us through Christ looked doomed from the beginning. A teenage girl in a stable in a, in a little flea-bag town, a carpenter's son, and then consider the disciples whom he chose as delegates of his cause, not really the top of the class. But the most foolish move of all was the crucifixion. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21 and 24 says this, that for since in God's wisdom, the world did not know God through wisdom. In other words, God rejected the possibility of salvation by human intellect and human wisdom, and we can see why he did so. God was pleased to save those who believe through this foolishness of the message that was preached, Paul says. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, a stumbling block to the Gentiles, the foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, God's power and God's wisdom prevails. In God's infinite wisdom, he chose a way of salvation beyond our comprehension. No one on earth could have come up with a plan that involves such a brutal murder of the Son of God for the sinners of the world. Yet he precisely did what others thought was foolish, God's wisdom triumphed. And at the point of his great weakness, God's power is unleashed and salvation is birthed through the death of Christ. Now, I told you, this stuff is over our head. It is deep. The wisdom of God is beyond our understanding and capabilities of grasping it. Verse 25, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, God's weakness is stronger than human strength. In all God's wise plan, this was the perfect way to achieve the greatest goal. And what is that greatest goal? In verse 31, it says, therefore it is written, The one who boasts must boast in the Lord. This is what his wisdom was aiming at. God chose us. God purchased us. God called us. God gave us everything that was involved in in the necessary things involved in salvation in such a way to strip us of our self-congratulation and to replace it with the glorying in the Lord only. And I make this point for this reason. You and I don't know enough to fathom why pain and suffering and injustice and cruelty and brutality happens in this world in such a sin-sick world. Like Job, we come to God with our questions, but in the end, God simply points out the grand scope of things and we know nothing. Suggesting our better plan to help God out is like proposing one plus one is to Einstein. We can't figure it out. We can't do it. We can't convince them. When it comes to divine wisdom, we haven't been there long enough and we haven't experienced it long enough to say that we understand and know it enough. It takes time, repeated lessons of humility 
to bring us to a place where we can rest in his wisdom and trust in his plan, but there are a few spiritual booster shots that can help us get there, and this is where I'm leading you to. I've said all this as an introduction. You ready? Now we're getting into the message. I want to give you four things when it comes to, or three things when it comes to understanding the application of God's wisdom. First of all, when it comes to wisdom, and you say, you know, I can't understand this. I understand what you're saying, that God's all wise and infinitely wise. He's everything that you said he is. I believe what the Scripture says. I can't fathom it. I can't even grasp it. God is far more than I could ever wrap around who I am. But the application of God's wisdom is this. Wise living starts with fearing the Lord. Now, you can put all this wisdom in perspective, and you can say, you know, that's, it sounds like a, a theological lesson, and it is, and I promise you, it's beyond my understanding. But I do know this, that if I understand any aspect of God's wisdom, there has to be an all-inspiring fear for the Lord in my life as well as in your life. Now, I'm not talking about, obviously, being scared and running and hiding. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about realizing the fact that when you speak to God, you're speaking to the creator of the universe, and it's an awe-inspiring thing when you realize that the universe, the creator of the universe is listening to you talk to him. That's a fear of God and a reverence of God in an awe-strucken moment where we say, God is listening. He's listening to little old me this sin-sick person, this wretched soul, this person who does not deserve heaven but deserves hell. He listens to me. And it's the fear of the Lord. Wise living starts with being caught up in that awe-stricken moment. And God is God and we are not. He is all wise and that's why we need him more and more every day. You say, Well, I thought wisdom is about obtaining it. Well, it is. But you're never going to obtain anything you know about God unless you submit to him first and you yield your will to him and you yield under that awe-inspiringness of who God is. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You see, fearing the Lord is basically this. You recognize that he is the creator, he is your master, and he is Lord of all. He's holy, he's awesome, and he calls all the shots. And he knows best for our situation. He knows every circumstance. He knows the goal for our life. He knows how to get there. And we trust in him because he has everything in his hands because he's infinitely wiser than what we could ever understand and ever know. And therefore, we submit to him because we know that he has everything in his hands and his plan matters most. And we submit to him. And in response, you and I willingly submit ourselves to him, his plan for our life. And without this, there is no wisdom. And it starts with salvation and it continues in reverent humility every day of our life saying, yes, Lord, it's a new day. And yes, I surrender to you this new day just like I did yesterday. And tomorrow I'm going to do the same. And the next day I'm going to do the same because wives living starts every day fearing of the Lord. And the more you fear him, the more you will see his wisdom. And his wisdom is right. 
and his wisdom is all that you need, and it's all-encompassing, and it's even beyond what we could even describe from a human standpoint, but it's everything we need every day of our life. The second thing is wise living grows by receiving God's Word. You see, wise living grows by receiving God's Word. Now, there's one thing that we talk about in Sunday school. We were talking about in Genesis chapter 1 through 2 where God did the creation. In chapter 3, Satan enters the scene and begins to tempt Adam and Eve and tries to change their thoughts and create doubt about what God said. Do not eat of this fruit. And he convinces them and he changes their thoughts and they receive what they deserve by going against what God had commanded them to do. So wise living is saying this, God's word is one thing, my actions are another. And if I'm going to do what God's word says, then my actions must match what I have received. The good news is God's word is never going to lead you down a path of failure. It's never going to lead you down a path of sinfulness. God's Word will never lead you to anything contrary to His heavenly principles. Never. In fact, if you're leading yourself down an awkward path and a wrong path, it's not God's leading. And so wise living grows by receiving God's Word. And so the question then is, how do I receive God's Word? Yes, you can listen to people, but I promise you, People are going to lead you down a path of their own understanding. You must receive God's word for your individual life. In order to receive it, you've got to read it. In order to read it, you've got to study it. And in studying it, you begin to be letting it develop in your life. And so when you begin to see those promises, those promises come out to remind you, not so that you can succeed, so that you could follow God. And in following God, you will succeed. Wise living grows by receiving God's word. In, in, in Psalm 19, verse 7, the instruction of the Lord is perfect. It is the reviving of the soul. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. Right, there's a promise right there. What does it say? By receiving God's word, you and I who are so inexperienced, we become wise when we receive that word into our life. We grow wiser when we are following those principles. So it's more about following God's word than it is trying to obtain the wisdom because the more you follow it and the more I follow it, the more wisdom we will gain because we'll start seeing that the best possible situation, best possible outcome has already been pre-planned by God. It is plan A we're focusing on and God knows best for our life even in such a wicked, crooked world we live. Nothing can match the Bible for showing you the mind of God. The more you and I sink roots into God's Word, the more wisdom will mark our life. So when we begin to receive His, receive his Word, we're beginning to receive and beginning to see the mind of God because His Word is the printed voice of God spoken to us and if it's the voice of God, then we're listening to the mind of God. And the more we trust in this word, which is his mind, we begin to take on those characters and attributes for our own personal life. 
and we began to see what true wisdom is. And third is this. Wise living requires that we ask for it. (laughs) James chapter 1, verse 5 and 6 says this. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives all generously without without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed about by the wind. Wise living says, God, I need your wiseness. Can I have it? And believing that as we ask of him, he will give that to us. And God's not going to say, you know, I don't like that request. You don't, you don't want it. That's not what God's going to say. You asking for it, I'm willing to give it. If you're sincere that you honestly want to know the mind of who I am, I'll give you my mind. I'll give you my wisdom. I'll give you my strength. I'll give you everything that you're asking of, and I'll give you the wisdom that will blow your socks off. God wants to blow our socks off. He wants us to get to the point where we say of him, God, please give me your wisdom. Please give me your truth. Give me the wiseness of who you are. That's not a prayer request that God has to think about. It is a request that's in his will that he wants all of us to be in line with. If you and I are out to try to obtain wisdom, we're going to try all day long and we'll never have it. But when we submit to God and we submit in that fear and we begin to receive God's word, we begin to ask him of of that, wisdom will come because we'll begin to see the rightness for our life and we'll begin to match that. And if it doesn't fit in Scripture, we throw it out. If it fits in line with Scripture, then we keep it. It's simple to it. In other words, you don't come to God for a second opinion. (laughs) You come to Him for His one and only opinion. We come to God and say, Overwrite your wisdom on this, Lord. Whatever you show me, I will follow. That's understanding wisdom. That's saying that that best possible solution rests in your hands. It is the best possible outcome for my life. And yet you know the goal for my life and you know how to obtain it. And wisdom is that I see God in focus and he sees the whole big picture. We begin to see that wisdom in his focus and we say, you know, regardless of what I'm going through, regardless of the difficulty, regardless of these questions that I cannot answer, I realize that I'm going to place my life in God's hands because he sees the outcome. He knows my future. He's got plan A in place and I'm going to follow it and I'm going to trust it because he's all wise and I'm not. Most of us go through life praying a little, planning a little, and jockeying for a position, hoping that but never quite certain of anything, and yet secretly afraid that we will miss the way of life. This is the tragic waste of truth that never will be a restful heart. There is a better way. We diffuse our own wisdom, and we take instead the infinite wisdom of God in our life. And God has charged himself with full responsibility for our eternal happiness and stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn in faith to him. The most wise person 
and the most wise that you could ever be is when we come to God and we say, God, I am a sinner. Save me. That is the most wise thing that you and I have ever done in our life. And you believed at the moment that you asked God that he saved you. And you knew from the very moment you asked that that you knew God overtook everything in your life. He cleaned your, he cleaned your clocks. <laughs> he wiped your slate clean. He removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. He's given you a whole brand new life. Spiritual death is no longer the focus. Spiritual life is now your, your appetite. You know that. That's the most wise moment in your life. But why do we move away from that wise moment? And we say, God, I can't figure it out. I don't know what's best now. We knew it the moment we submitted to him. We knew what was best. And that was yielding our heart to him. And we trusted him by faith that he saved us from the pit of our own self. Why can't we take that same childlike faith and say to God, God, I need your wisdom. Will you give it to me? And submit and yield. The light comes on and we realize, wow, God's been waiting for this moment. He's been waiting every moment in our life where we say, God, I am no longer the management of my own life. And I turn in faith to you because I know that you're responsible for my eternal happiness. You're responsible for my success. You're responsible for the outcome of my life. You're responsible for what's going to happen through these circumstances that's going to make a better me and a better you. We understand that. And we say to God, God, my life is in your hands. I'm no longer the management of my life. You are. So I've said all this to get you to the point to ask this question. Are you in need of greater wisdom? There is a simple answer. Yield to God. It's just that simple. I told you, I don't know how to even explain wisdom. When I started the message, I'm still learning it. But one thing I do know is the more that I submit the more that I don't have to worry about knowing it. But God will grant it to me. The more obedient you become and the more obedient I become, the more wise we will be because we'll be in line with his mind, his will, his focus, his wisdom. And the more we take on the qualities and character of God, the more wisdom we will understand. It's just that simple. But it comes to yielding to God on an everyday basis. So the message is presented. The will of your life and my life is yet to be determined in accordance to yielding to God. Will you yield to him? Will you submit to him? Maybe it's saying, God, I've been managing my life for too long. I know I'm saved and I know I'm your child. I'm your son. I'm your daughter. I belong to you. I know that when I die, I will spend my eternity in heaven. I know that, and I know that you're Lord of my life. I know that, but I have been managing my life, and I'm tired of it. Here's my life back to you. And we have to do that every day. 
Because the wiser person realizes it's not a one-time experience. It's an everyday process of saying yes to God, to his will and his way, that he knows what's best. He knows the goal of our life, and he knows how to get us there. He sees the big picture. So will you submit and will you yield to understanding God is in control of your life, and I promise you, he'll give you a wonderful gift, and it will be the gift of wisdom and wiseness because the more you love him, the more you want to obey him. The more you obey him, the more you want to become like him. And the more you become like him, the more you want to think, do, and act just as God wants you to be. Thanks be unto God for the change that can happen every day when we yield to him. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you grant to us just the endless possibilities of knowing your wisdom, to knowing the wiseness of who you are, the infinite wiseness of the God that you are. Lord, we thank you that even though in our own understanding we're so limited of the infinite, you still grant to us such a beautiful taste and a grasp of who you are every day. Lord, help us to yield and say yes to you and say no to this so that we can be more uh, apt at obeying you and serving you every day with enthusiasm and joy, knowing that you have the better solution, the better circumstance, and the better outcome every day for our life. Thank you, Father, for listening today and allowing us to yield and to submit to your way. In your name that we pray, amen. Our hymn of invitation and affirmation song is, Lord, I give you my heart. And as we give God our heart, we'll understand how wise he is and how much more we need him every day. So let's stand together. Let's sing this song of affirmation and invitation. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm away, Lord, have your way in me. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you.
Lord, have your way in me. 